Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN. We're back with another episode of the Take 10 Podcast. Back with another great interview with a new face at BTN who joined us this fall and uh, tells us plenty about himself and his career coming up. And his name is Coley Harvey. Coley, um, for those who don't know, in the Midwest, is actually a Big Ten guy. He went to Northwestern, but uh, he's done the bulk of his work on the East Coast and is actually from the Atlanta area. So he gets into his background in sports media coming up here on the show and, and talks about his transition here to BTN as our uh, new studio host and also a sideline reporter for Fox and uh, BTN as well. So this one is more of a get-to-know-you interview as opposed to in-depth football discussion, but Coley does talk about Big Ten football uh, toward the end of the interview and, and especially breaks down the game that he will be on the sideline for this upcoming Friday, which is the Penn State at Maryland game. Um, it's going to be on FS1. So get into that game, get into uh, some more Big Ten football talk at the end. But like I said, a lot of it is getting to know uh, Coley Harvey and his background and his path to Chicago and Big Ten Network and, and all the uh, stops and gigs he's had since he graduated from Northwestern. So really fun interview, long interview, and um, it's definitely worth listening to all of it. And after that, um, we bring in, as we do most weeks here in season, our stat head, Harold Shelton. He's our researcher here at BTN, if you haven't heard the segment before. And he goes in-depth on the past weekend's games and uses those results and the body of work we've seen this season to project out what's going to happen going forward, especially this upcoming weekend here in Big Ten football. And um, talk a little bit of uh, beyond that as well with, with some of the results that, uh, that we saw, especially with teams like Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin, some preseason contenders and, and teams that have fallen off, as we saw with uh, especially Michigan in particular. So get to Harold after Coley's interview, but we'll kick this uh, episode off with Coley Harvey of BTN and Fox Sports. The interview starts right now. Very pleased to be joined here in our Chicago studio by one of the newest additions to the BTN team. It's Coley Harvey. Follow him on Twitter at Coley Harvey. Mr. Harvey, how's it going, man? Well, going pretty well, Alex. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, taking some time joining me today. First off, just got to say, you got a great sports name, Coley Harvey. Like, it really, you know, <laughs> comes off the tongue well. We got another guy here. I don't know if you know uh, Mike Monaco. That's another really yeah, good one. That's a good one. Yeah. So have you ever thought about that, you know, just being in sports and having a, a name that fits like that? Yeah, I'll put it this way. When I was uh, when I was in high school and even younger than that, I mean, I was I, I had the goal of playing sports. Baseball was my number one sport. And uh, and I actually had friends of mine in high school that used to say, "Oh, I could I could hear your name like as you're coming to bat, Coley Harvey, and all this." And and so I, I've heard that before. Um, obviously, uh, it didn't end up panning out that way uh, as far as the uh, the athletic career, but uh, but certainly glad that I'm able to uh, to at least do what I'm doing now. And uh, you know, and, and my name has some some good meaning for my family too. So it is actually uh, important for me to to have my name uh, out there in that way, too. Okay, and uh, that also reminds me, since you, you brought up the athletic side of it, there was a, a running back for Illinois named Rocky Harvey who had a cool name as well, you know, and that, that's, yeah. you know, it sounds kind of similar. Do you want to get into why your name's significant at all? Or uh, well, I, well, it's just I, I was actually named, my first name I was named after my great-grandmother. Uh, uh, it was a, a name in our family that was connected to her. 
um, that not a lot of people know. A lot of people think it's like a nickname mm-hmm. or it's short for something. No, it like Coley is actually a name uh, in the world, and uh, and it was just you know it was kind of my parents' way of giving a nod to her. But um, but it's funny, like you mentioned that. I know, uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his first name, but the linebacker uh, Noah, I believe Noah Harvey at Michigan State. I just a couple of times I've been on the field uh, at their games this year and and every time I'm walking down the sideline and I see that Harvey on the nameplate it just it makes me do a double take, you know. Even me. <laughs> right. <laughs> not maybe not playing football, but yeah. Baseball at least. But uh, I mean you've obviously made a name for yourself in the sports media industry, uh, Big Ten background. Went to Northwestern, but I want to go before that even, you kinda of touched on it already kind of seen your name up in lights as a you know as a kid and, and in high school so when did you have sports media aspirations and, and uh, once you kind of figured out that maybe the athletics on the field uh path wasn't wasn't for you when did you decide you wanted to, to try sports media um I mean even before I found that out I, I kind of had that as a, a backup plan I guess you could say uh, and not really a backup plan that was that was probably the primary plan I mean I was always a pretty small guy uh uh, growing up, even though I was, I could run and I could do some of the, you know, some of the other things. I was still a pretty small guy, so I knew that uh, I probably wasn't going to be a pro player. Uh, that being said, um, you know, just growing up, kind of in that uh, generation where you know you, everybody was always watching Sports Center and and you saw Stuart Scott and and names like that, and it was just like, man, that job just looks so cool. Uh, I, I want to have a chance to do that at some point in time if I could, and. I've always been a history buff. I've always just really wanted to kind of, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed learning history, but it just kind of felt cool to me even in high school to be like, you know, you could be somebody to, to help tell history. You know, that's essentially what, what reporters and journalists do. You know, we're we're the ones who are on the front line of uh, of the unique stories that are being told in the, in the universe, whether it is sports news or what have you. Um, I actually didn't think I was going to get into I wanted to get into sports. I didn't think it would actually happen. I thought it was just too much of a dream that it, it never would. So uh, so I just said, okay, I'm just going to plan on being like a features or a news reporter or something like that. And I uh, applied to Northwestern, uh, ended up getting in there and, uh, and, and, and going to Northwestern, obviously, for four years. What got me into sports, um, as far as from a job standpoint, was my fresh fresh no uh, sophomore year the end of my sophomore year I ended up applying to an internship with uh, MajorLeagueBaseball.com and um, I worked with them for two summers I was one summer in Atlanta with the Braves another summer with the Giants in San Francisco and um, I mean it was just I had a blast unfortunately that internship actually just ended this past year uh, just kind of as things have changed I mean, that was a long time ago too when I was in school but things have kind of changed for MLB.com and other places. Is that uh, the writing internship where you cover the writing a team? Internship, so I applied yeah. for that and I didn't get it. So, oh, you know, man. Yeah, I, know, I, know, I thought I had the in, too, because like the guy who did the hiring was an Illinois guy. I went to Illinois. I'm like, oh, I got this. And it didn't work out. So, you know, at least one of us in here yeah. got that opportunity. Well, I was working with a different guy. It was a different guy. It's funny. They had the same last name. Two different, completely <laughs> different guys. But because um, but, uh, I know I'm a little bit older than you, so I was working with someone else at that time. And uh, he's actually still a very dear and good friend to me to this day. Actually, an Ohio State guy himself went to Ohio State. Uh, not an Illinois guy, but still Big Ten country right. as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of got me going. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, just other jobs that I had or internships and things that I'd had even while I was in school, I, I made sure I had a little bit of a sports focus because I knew that, 
that was ultimately where I really wanted to be. Um, and it was around that same time that I also realized, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to be a pro athlete for sure. Right, right. So you're an, uh, you're an Atlanta guy, correct? In Atlanta, Georgia, yes, sir. So are you uh, Atlanta sports fan? Did that have any factor in why you wanted to become, you know, a sports media personality or work in sports media? Or was that just like kind of um, separate from, from your work? Honestly, that's... Uh, I don't. I, I won't say that that had a, uh, a a big impetus in getting me to this point, but I, I do. Just looking back on it, I think that did kind of help me become a sports fan because of the time period that I grew up in. I mean, the Atlanta Braves were just so dominant as I was a kid and a teenager in the 1990s that uh, I mean, you had no choice but to pay attention to them, even if you know. Of course, the knock on Atlanta sports fans is. You know, they kind of get bored with stuff after a while. They don't go to, to the big games after a while. Okay, sure, that might be fair. But still, people are very passionate about those teams, particularly when they're doing well. You know, you could call us fair weather in a, in a way uh, if you wanted to. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm growing up and I'm seeing the, the, the Braves always playing the Yankees or playing, uh, you know, Cleveland in the World Series or losing to the Marlins in 97. And uh, I, I don't know, just following that, that team, that dynasty through those years, that definitely did. Uh, helped pique my baseball interest, I would say, too, um, which probably allowed me to be a bigger sports fan. That being said, you know, football, I loved college football growing up. Obviously, being from Atlanta, I was more of a SEC, ACC kind of uh, fan growing up then. I remember my first time seeing Northwestern was when I was a, I was 10 years old, and they were in the Rose Bowl, and I had no idea who that school was. I just thought the uniform colors were really cool in the Rose Bowl. And I knew who USC was, but I didn't know who Northwestern was, and I just kind of found myself really pulling for them in that game. Of course, they lost, but they were like the underdogs that you wanted to see succeed. And uh, I think once I realized a couple years later that there were not a couple, but a few years after that, that uh, Northwestern was a place to look to for uh, for journalism. Um, it was just kind of like it was fate. You know, uh, of course, that was the team that I was pulling for in that Rose Bowl. Right, right. And, you know, with these institutions like Northwestern, you hear about people that go to Syracuse or Mizzou. And, you know, you think, well, of course they end up where they end up in sports media and having success. I've had I've talked to plenty of people that have gone to all three of those schools and, and have done well in the sports media industry. But, you know, I've always thought it's kind of hard for those people or maybe other students while they're there to, to stand out and to, to, you know, rise above their peers. So what do you think you did at Northwestern? Obviously, the you know, MLB opportunity is one thing that you mentioned that, that stood out. What do you think you did there that, uh, you know, helped you? carve your path in the sports media industry honestly i have no earthly idea um, uh, i mean it, it's really funny i i don't think that i i'm not going to say i was a slacker i was not a slacker i've always been a very hard worker but i don't think that i pushed myself enough in college um uh and may, maybe that was kind of what lit a fire underneath me once i got into the real world and started having opportunities where i'm like oh yeah no you need to do this and this and this more than you did when you were in school. Uh, so I don't know really uh, what it was while I was at Northwestern that got me other than, um, you know, I might be also kind of selling myself a little short right here because uh, I know I do that from time to time. But um, but, but I, I know having the opportunities that I had there, uh, certainly I still took advantage of them. Um, that helped, uh, you know, the networking aspect of it, the, uh, the people who I went to school with, uh, uh, the people who uh, who were my professors, um, you know, that obviously all helped too, and that has helped impact impact my career. So Northwestern helped give me the uh, the the 
the roadmap, I guess you could say. I don't know if I followed it all that well uh, when I was in school. Um, I think it was more so kind of once I started doing some of the jobs where it just all really clicked. And, um, and uh, you know, that's obviously not a knock to Northwestern. That's a knock to me. And <laughs> um, in, in having, you know, needing to maybe be a little, you know, work a little harder or something. I don't know. I, don't, I, might, be, I might be really selling myself short because obviously I think you do have to, to, to put in a, a fair amount of effort to, to have done some of the things that I've done. But, uh, but that being said, I just, I guess just looking back, I know. I probably could have done a little more in school. I mean, I, I feel the same. I look back, and I'm like, wow. Like, I, I honestly think what I did didn't stack up to a lot of my peers as far as like internships That's and you know putting extra time in. But hey, we're both sitting here right now. I mean, I had <laughs> I had people. My sports editor, uh, you know, within a couple of weeks of graduation, he had he and I actually had applied to a similar internship. Um, he got it, and like literally a couple of weeks within him starting that internship he had a full-time job as a beat reporter oh, wow. covering a, a, a sport an nba franchise actually and uh, it was just like that i guess that's when i'm like oh i didn't do enough yeah you know? no yeah i you know, get that imposter syndrome coming yeah uh so you know you said you leave northwestern and the real world kind of hits a little bit um you're obviously now on camera for us in studio and and you're doing sideline um for Fox, but you started it as, as a writer, right? Did you do yeah. on-camera stuff before, or, or was it all kind of writing before you had to make that transition? Yeah, so I've, I've had a really interesting journey, I guess you could say. One that I know a lot of, like I've run into a lot of college students now and, and people who are just getting out of school, and, um, and, it, and they've always kind of asked the same thing of, well, how do I get some of these opportunities? And I always say it, it all goes back to writing. Um, and... I, I'd heard that. My mom actually had mentioned that to me when I was coming up. Uh, before I even really thought about going on camera, she was always saying, you know, make sure you have this this strong writing foundation. Um, and, uh, and, I mean, she was absolutely right. Everywhere that I go, you know, other jobs I've had, other, other places I've been, people have always said the same thing. Producers have always said the same thing, that it really helps where you have – someone who has that writing background um, that really stands out even uh, for, for on-air work. So that being said, yeah, um, it, I, it's funny, getting into on-air work kind of came out of left field in some ways for me, but uh, my plan was to be a newspaper writer as long as I could and then kind of transition into this world uh, at, at some point. Um, obviously, I came out of school at a really tough time for newspapers. I mean, when I came out uh, was really when the economy was bad, the newspaper industry was just starting to get bad. So a lot of my peers who were very qualified uh, to get some opportunities either did not get them or once they got them, they weren't quite as fulfilling as they had hoped and they ended up transitioning to other things. So uh, so I do feel very fortunate and lucky that I'm still surviving in, in, in a way um, now. But yeah, so my first, let's see, my first job, I was at a newspaper for almost about three and a half years uh, covering Georgia Tech as a beat reporter. Uh, and that was football, basketball, and baseball. Baseball is huge in the, in the South. It's big in Big Ten country too, but it's really big in, in the ACC and SEC. Uh, so I was essentially a beat reporter for all those three sports. Um, I uh, then covered Florida State for, for two years, or two seasons. I was there almost three years. Uh, football, basketball, baseball again. Baseball is even bigger at Florida State. Um, and uh, and then after that, while I was there, I had an opportunity with ESPN. They came calling and asked me if I'd like to join as a reporter with NFL Nation, which is the uh, 
the NFL wing of, of what ESPN does, and that was actually right when it started. So I was our first uh, Cincinnati Bengals reporter when I was there with NFL Nation. Um, and so I was there for three years. Uh, again, not a newspaper. I got out of newspapers by that point. I was at the went from a newspaper in Georgia to the Orlando Sentinel uh, in Florida, and then um, TSPN obviously was, was digital. But that's where we did start to do a little more on camera. I did a little bit when I was at the Sentinel as far as, you know, we do digital video and uh, we have things that I guess now we'd call them podcasts. They weren't necessarily called podcasts at that time. It's not even that long ago, but, uh, right. but that was probably just before the term actually uh, was developed. Um, and uh, yeah, and so then at ESPN, it was like that's where I had the opportunity to, to do both writing and TV. Uh, after covering the Bengals for three years, I, I moved to New York to um, essentially be a, a bureau reporter for ESPN's Four Sports Center. Uh, which was like the one uh, show that, as a little kid, I definitely wanted to to have worked for. Uh, so that was that was really humbling to to have that opportunity. Um, but I got a chance to cover college football again with that baseball, basketball. That was all on air. And then actually, uh, about a year ago, uh, I started covering just baseball for them, the New York Yankees. Uh, and that kind of got me back into the writing space. So that, that's why I say my journey has been crazy. I've, I've written a lot. I've done on air a, a, a fair amount um, where it was just on air. And now I'm here at BTN uh, pretty much just doing TV. But uh, I do have the writing background. So if I ever uh, need to chip in that way, that's something I'm obviously uh, uh, excited about maybe doing and, 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 am, and, and am able to do. But sure. So. Yeah, and when uh, you're a bureau reporter at ESPN, how does that work? Like, are you just kind of waiting for things to pop up and they dispatch you out to whatever's going on, or, or like you're not on a beat there, right? What, how does that? Yeah. How does that kind of play out? Yeah, and that at that time I wasn't, and, and that's it, it. Totally depends, you know. There are times where yeah, you're waiting at home for that phone call. It could be a couple of days. It could be a couple of weeks. Um, that hey, this is breaking. We we need you here, or um, or even if it, you didn't have a, a specific beat, you still had specific sports and regions mm-hmm. that you were kind of uh, close to. So for the most part, you kind of knew what would be coming up. Um, you know, it wasn't all uh, within a day or in some cases a couple hours. I remember a Thanksgiving a few years ago. It was, it was the Tuesday before that Thanksgiving. I got called, hey, could you go down to Miami? <laughs> Um, because the Boston Celtics actually had a long winning streak to start that season, and they were playing the Miami mm-hmm. Heat, and uh, we didn't, you know, they didn't have anybody down there to uh, to basically cover in case they lost. Can't imagine why, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was Thanksgiving, that's why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I knew I wasn't going home. Actually, I was going to the Ohio State uh, Michigan game that Friday. I, I I was well, was leaving Friday, but covering it that Saturday. So. Um, so last minute, I literally I get the call like at two o'clock on Tuesday. Hey, how quick can you get to Miami? Um, and I mean, within three hours, I'm sitting on a plane going to Miami. And uh, uh, the cool thing about that is I I had a layover in Atlanta on Thanksgiving Day uh, on my way back to New York, and so I had a chance to actually see my family uh, for a couple hours because my home was so close to to the airport in Atlanta. Um, so that was good. So I actually had a, a true Thanksgiving in a way. Yet I still worked, and yes, the Celtics losing sh- or winning streak, I should say, it uh, it ended up getting snapped during that road trip. So it was very important that somebody was there to document it. See, that's a cool, you know, kind of unique story. And, and I was kind of 
about to ask that. Are there any cool or unique projects that you can think of that jump out, like a story that you know is maybe in a, a strange sport or just a really monumental moment in the last few years of uh, of the world of sports? What's something that jumps out at you when you think back about your assignments? Uh, I've had some really cool ones. Um, I mean, the, the the biggest one that jumps out at me and the one that actually kind of got me going into more of the broadcast space was back in June of 2016. I was still living in Cincinnati. I was covering the Bengals uh, for ESPN. And at that time, I was not really, uh, I mean, I would, I would do TV hits every once in a while. It wasn't, you know, all the time at that point, but it was every once in a while. I was mostly writing then. And um, it's a long story, but actually I was playing basketball one day and got hurt. And the reason why that's important is because I was supposed to drive home to Atlanta from Cincinnati. It's about six hours. I was supposed to drive uh, this one day and uh, this one weekend. And um, (laughs) my foot was just black and blue and swollen. I could have driven about two hours, but there was no way I was driving uh, six. And so I ended up just staying home. And this is a Friday night. I'm, you know, just kind of like, man, I'm so mad at myself for getting hurt. Um, ice in my, my foot. And I'm sitting there watching uh, watching TV, and I see the alert that Muhammad Ali had passed. And, um, you know, I mean, I was, you know, boxing's not necessarily my number one sport. Like I said, baseball's my number one. But uh, Ali was such a hero of mine, uh, not just for what he did in the ring, but even outside of it. And so when I saw that for about an hour, I was just, oh, man, I was, you know, beat up. Like, oh, this is really sad. I mean, I knew at that a couple of days before that we kind of knew that things weren't looking too good for him. But just the reality of it actually sinking in was, was awful, you know. And so, like I said, about an hour went by and I emailed some of my bosses and I said, it, it hit me like I'm only 90 minutes from where he grew up. He grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, which is nowhere from Cincinnati. And I emailed my bosses and I said, hey, if you know, if you guys – I know this isn't necessarily my space, but if you need any kind of help this week, uh, and these are uh, bosses that I had on the TV side, I said, if you need any help this week, please let me know. I'm really close. I can help out. And because uh, I knew, obviously, the story was, was shifting to Louisville at some point. And they got back to me at like 2.30 in the morning, and they're like, this is awesome. Can you be there by 8? <laughs> and, <laughs> mind you, I hadn't fallen asleep or anything. And uh, I'm like, yeah, of course. Uh, tried to fall asleep, could not, because, I mean, it's like, right. wow, I could be around this really crazy story, really big story. And um, I remember calling my dad, and he's like, you should just drive down, and by the time you get there, maybe you'll be in a, your mind will be in a clear enough space. And so that's exactly what I did. And I, I thought I was going to be in Louisville for maybe a day, maybe two days, uh, and then they'd shuttle in, you know, the actual bureau reporter <laughs> to take over. And uh, no, I was there the entire week. I was ESPN's uh, reporter on the ground in Louisville, uh, covering the uh, the memorial and the lead up to the funeral for Muhammad Ali. And so to see the processional and actually, I I kind of kicked off the coverage right at the funeral home, and then you know you watch the processional, and then I end up over at the uh, cemetery. And was at the cemetery when the uh, the hearse came there. And um, the thing I, I, I really took away that entire week was, yeah, it was very sad the first couple of days after we found out about Ali's death. But then as the week build, uh, continued to build, it felt so much more like a celebration of who he was, who, what he stood for, the types of lives that he impacted, and the global reach that he had. 
And I mean, I saw people, I met a guy from Bangladesh who was named Muhammad Ali, who actually wow. knew Ali. Um, I, I met people from, from China, from Brazil, from Kenya. I met, I met so, from Switzerland, Australia. I met so many people that week who were from all over the globe who just felt like they had to pay their respects to his life. And uh, that's certainly the biggest story that I've ever covered, the biggest thing I've ever been part of. Um, and I have so many memories that I will always cherish from that week. Um, and then the other one that, that just jumped out at me as you asked that question was uh, the World Series that same year. This is actually, the, by the way, the, the Ali opportunity uh, about two weeks after that, uh, my boss was there, called and said, hey, we, you know, we, we think you need to move to New York and become a bureau reporter for us. They enjoyed my work from that so much. Um, so then I become a bureau reporter that fall. And in, in October of 2016, I was here in Chicago the night of game six of the NLCS, and uh, we'll never forget the scene at Wrigley when the Cubs won and actually went to the World Series. I was in college the night of the Bartman game. I was so close to actually coming to Wrigleyville that night. I, I had class or something that I just couldn't miss that day, and by the time I got out of it, there was no way I was going to get to Wrigleyville, so, uh, so I didn't go. But I, I remember that Bartman game, and so just to know how this city essentially felt healed that night of winning the uh, the the NLCS um, I mean that was awesome and then I was um, in Cleveland the night of game seven of the World Series uh, uh, a couple weeks later and so um, I mean I, I'll never forget that either I'm not a Cubs fan sorry to disappoint the folks uh, here in Big Ten country uh, but I can certainly appreciate that moment yeah you're talking to a huge Cubs fan here <laughs> uh, I mentioned I started here roughly three years ago and I, I just moved to the city living in Wrigleyville during that 2016 run and I have stories for days about just that whole you know month that uh, World Series run I remember that Saturday night game six of the NLCS really well it was it was awesome um, and now I'm in my feelings because yeah. they're out of the playoffs so yeah we'll, yeah we'll, no we'll, sorry we'll move it along but it's cool that you were, you were here. <laughs> no, it's all good it's cool that you were here for that and, and remember that vividly um, yeah. and, and back to what you know kind of the whole theme of that I've talked to a handful of people that have uh, moved on from ESPN on this podcast and have ended up wherever in various spots and you know ESPN affords those those type of cool opportunities so kind of leads me to ask why make the jump to mm -hmm. you know the Fox family now and Big Ten Network how did that opportunity come about and uh, why'd you make the leap yeah well the biggest reason why is because uh, I was kind of at a crossroads in my career I felt um, you know I had had some really cool opportunities and some good things I was covering at ESPN and uh, as I mentioned, of most of late, you know, the most recent thing I was doing for them was uh, was covering the New York Yankees. And as we're talking right now, the Yankees have already clinched their spot in the postseason. And uh, this that team is tooled up to the point that they may just go on and and win the whole thing. Uh, it's just it's really crazy, just kind of following them all year. Um, that being said. Uh, it, it just really felt like I was kind of getting stuck into doing one or two of the same thing. And I'm somebody that is always seeking challenge. I'm always seeking uh, a, a chance to, to diversify the, the, the types of things that I can do. Um, I don't just want to be considered a baseball guy. I don't want to just be considered a beat writer. Uh, I feel like I've had this unconventional kind of journey through my career in large part because I mean, I'm kind of unconventional in how I how I, how my job is done. <clears throat> I'm not just a writer, like I said. I'm not just an on-air personality. I feel like I've got got the talent to do a lot of uh, of different things. And so, um, 
I was talking to Fox uh, a few months ago. They they actually had me audition for something, and apparently, uh, I think they thought I did okay with what I did, and um, and that's kind of where the talks uh, picked up. And and the types of things that Fox was was saying that um, that they wanted me to do in coming over uh, were the types of things that I wanted to do. I wanted to to do the sideline reporting, which is what I'm doing every week right now with college football season, and we'll do some in, in the basketball season as well. Um, I had only done it uh, once, really, twice maybe. <laughs> um, uh, at ESPN, it was something I wanted to do a little bit more of, but kind of the, the structure of things, it just uh, wasn't in the cards to happen. Um, it's happening here. Uh, I wanted to host uh, shows. I want to host shows where I'm kind of in you know front and center of a lot of that and to get that opportunity uh i mean fox and btn were saying hey we we believe that you can do this we want you to do this we're going to give you these opportunities and when i hear that um absolutely i'm like yes i gotta go so i was like i said i was kind of at a little bit of a career crossroads and i got um i mean before i say anything else i gotta say like i i loved my time at ESPN. I have a lot of really good friends there, mentors and people who I look up to there. Um, but uh, when it came down to it, I mean, this is this is an opportunity that I feel like can really be good, not just for my career, but it's an opportunity that I think is really going to help the Big Ten brand, help Big Ten Network, and uh, and be helpful to Fox. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just... I'm just I'm still amazed that uh, that there are people in the hiring spaces that think enough about me to uh, to give me this chance. And uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when I when I kind of get my mind on something, I I don't let it go. You know, I uh, I I realized, like I said, a long time ago, that there are certain other things I've got to do to work, not necessarily harder, but to to refine the way that I work to 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 show my talent even more and. I think now in this space that I've got a chance to do that, and I'm, you know, I'm excited to take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, you left out one thing when you're talking about your aspirations and chance to come on these podcasts, you know, like yeah, and that too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> of course, that I don't know how I missed that one. That's number one, man. <laughs> Let it slide. But uh, for, for real though, you you know, you mentioned all the the potential opportunities you have now here. And I just want to hear about your weekly schedule. Like, how, how does it break down? You, you got games on the weekends, I assume. Um, you've got your sideline duties, your studio duties. How does uh, your week kind of shake out? Yeah, it's a busy week. Um, and honestly, I mean, I'm only, what, this is like my fourth week. I guess technically five. Yeah, we're now in week five of, of football. So this is my fifth week here, and I'm still figuring it out. Um, I think I'm, I'm in much more of a rhythm now than I was two weeks ago. Uh, but uh, but this is something I'll probably be refining as, as I go on. But I, I guess the big thing I would say is um, my week, uh, you know, Monday is kind of a day where I'm kind of easing into the next game. Um, that's that's a day where I'm starting to look at uh, maybe a little bit of like rewatching the game that that I just did to kind of see what I could do better. Also to see what just how everything fit into the into the flow of the show of the entire broadcast. Um, it's also a day where I, I try to begin to uh, to look at the two teams that I'll have the upcoming week uh, to kind of see what they did in their last games. Um, sometimes because I also have to, to make sure I'm paying attention to everything else in the Big Ten because also my, my games, we had one last week where it wasn't just Big Ten. We've, we've been lucky enough that uh, every game except for this past game that we've had and even our next couple 
uh, have been Big Ten games. So that's been helpful for me, even just kind of getting to know the conference a little bit a little bit better. Uh, but that being said, yeah, I'm going to have some Pac-12. I'm going to have a Big 12 game here or there, too, that, uh, that will kind of throw my brain off a little bit as far as my prep so uh so so it's a challenge you know you've got to not just know what's going on in the conference around you and and have that uh have that awareness but you also have to know what's going on with the teams because you know come friday in certain cases or saturday you want to make sure that uh, that you know what you're talking about and, and that we're coming with really interesting and unique stories and and that we bring some level of perspective and context that even if they've been written about before a level of context and perspective that the audience at home uh, you know just had no sense about had no clue about so uh, see so yeah, so Tuesday is so Tuesday is when I start to get back into the studio here um, here in Chicago and so uh, so yeah that's a day where I'm I'm focused on Big Ten as much as possible, but if there's a, a waking moment that I can look back at some more film or, or start exploring more stories, then that's what I'm going to do for my game coming up. Uh, Wednesday is even more of the same, and then usually Thursday for a Saturday game. Um, I'm, I've got a little more time, kind of the way it, it just seems like Thursday's the, the way the news is coming out. Uh, it's a, usually a lighter day earlier in the day as far as Big Ten football news and that kind of thing. So I've had a little more time I've found during the day to, to look forward a little bit more at my game. Um, and Thursday is also the day that I typically travel for a Saturday game uh, to get to wherever we are. And then Friday we've got our meetings all day with the coordinators and coaches and players at the team, at the schools, I should say. And then Saturday is a game, you know, it's game day. Obviously this week we've got Friday. <laughs> so everything's bumped up a day. Just like, actually, the way I've looked at my week's, are a lot like the teams you know I mean I was actually talking to my mom about this yesterday how you've got the players who uh, not only have you know they've got to study film they've got to go to practice they've got to study uh, for their school work they've got all these things going on I kind of have to think that same way too on a week-to-week basis where it's just whatever game I've got coming up it's right now it's just Maryland Penn State just Maryland Penn State yeah, I've got to pay attention to everybody else too, but my the bulk of my focus is Maryland Penn State, Maryland Penn State, just like James Franklin, right? Right. Um, and uh, and then once we get through the game, you know, it's kind of like the players too. You have that twenty four hour rule, it might be more like eight hours. You know, you enjoy the fact you got through a broadcast, you got through that game. All right, that's cool. Sunday, let's decompress for a minute, and then let's get back to looking at the the next week ahead as as quickly as we can. So. Um, I'm still learning my rhythm with how I'm going to do it myself uh, personally, but that's kind of the flow that I've gotten into, and it's it, it's a it's a beast. Uh, it's a it's a challenge, but it's it's one that, like I said, I know that I can take on, and I'm I'm really excited with what I've done so far. Yeah, so you're on the Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman crew. Those yes. guys have been together for oh, a while, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like do, twenty years. Yeah, yeah. So way. they got you know they got the rhythm, the cadence down. What what do you guys get into, if anything? off camera and was there any sort of you know initiation into, into their little <laughs> circle since they've been at it for so long no you know they've actually been they've been very good that way i can't lie just thinking about the crew itself i, I kind of came in like oh man where are they gonna make me do these guys this is like a an iconic crew not just with them but even with the uh the the producers and, and, and the people behind the scenes behind them uh but no everybody's been great uh, everybody's been really good about 
um, you know, we're all part of a family. That's been the biggest thing that I think I've taken away from these first few weeks of being with this group is the, the, the true sense of family. Um, and a lot of that hinges on Spencer and Tim, the fact that they've been together for so long, uh, not just at Fox, even at other places where they work together um, and they've been on calls and they've been in studio together. Uh, that helps, you know, that, that impacts uh, the way that they see things, the, 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 the ease with which they're able to talk about things, whether it's things that are criticisms or uh, about how the broadcast is run or whether it's just football or whatever it may be. Um, you know, the fact that Spencer's, uh, excuse me, uh, Tim's, uh, one of Tim's grandchildren is named after Spencer. You know, I mean, that just, <laughs> that just lets you know uh, how, how tight these guys are. And, um, and, and I mean, I saw that from day one. And it's a challenge to kind of try to fit into that when you're the new guy, especially when they've been doing it so well for so long. But, um, but I, I feel very good about where we are so far. And a big part of that is, again, just, you know, it, it, it starts with them and the way that they treat people. And I, I feel like I, I tend to treat people in much the same way they do. And so I think we've come to a, a, nice, uh, a nice agreement. But the other thing, too, you know, like you mentioned, they've been together for so long. That, that tenure, that collection, um, that just, you know, I, I know when I found out that I was going to be on their team, I, I, I was blown away, you know, um, again, because I haven't really done a whole lot of this. I'm still kind of new in, in this particular part of the space. Um, and just to realize that I've, I mean, I was in college and high school and, and thing, and I remember seeing these guys together, you know, working together uh, after college, seeing them working together and knowing their, their names. And, and like people always say, when you hear Tim Brando on a call, like, you know, it's a big game. You know, there's a big deal behind it. And, you know, we've actually gotten some really good games already this year, too. We were at Michigan State, Arizona State with the, the crazy field goal at the end. Um, you know, this past week we had TCU, uh, SMU. Both teams were undefeated coming in. SMU ended up holding on and beating TCU first time since before I was born that SMU is uh, is uh, is starting 4-0 in a year so um, just really really cool to to be around uh, around the uh, the veterans there and um, you know I'm all ears for every bit of advice that they're dispensing me yeah good chance to see your crew in action on Friday night uh, like you said Penn State and Maryland on FS1 I actually won't be watching that broadcast I'll be there with you at the yeah, game yeah, so we you know we'll be We'll be down on the field, uh, um, taking that game in, and we'll talk about that game off the top as we talk a little bit of Big Ten football here to wrap up. Um, since you said you know you get into the scout, you get into the nitty gritty of both teams. What uh, what jumps out at you about this matchup, Maryland? Honestly, I was really pumped for the game to be there um, when they were having yeah. a surprise start, being in the top twenty-five, and then they kind of stumble a little bit against Temple. But it's still going to be a hype atmosphere. It's going to be uh, the blackout game. I think yeah. the students are going to. Uh, set a record, I think, for for the attendance there. So, so what jumps out at you with this matchup with uh, Penn State coming into a hostile environment? Yeah, honestly, I I think it's that. You know, I know I heard James Franklin this week kind of talking about knowing what the atmosphere is like. Of course, he he coached there as an assistant uh, years ago. Um, you know, he's very well aware. I guess Penn State's been playing the Maryland fight song during practice just so that they get used to it. I don't know if that's a tactic I would take just because I don't want I don't want my team to get used to hearing it because if they're hearing it so much, that right. means Maryland's doing something good, right? right. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, no, they're they're just they're just really uh, really getting at themselves for the week. Uh, you know, I, and this is going to be one of those games where. Uh, it's it's so hard to say how it's going to be defined. You, you could call it a shootout because both offenses do have 
the explosive capability to take off that way. But then you got a really, really – yeah, actually both defenses are good, but you got a really good defensive line there at Penn State. Um, I think whatever those guys are able to do against Maryland's offensive line and, and, and just well, just the front seven journal that, that Maryland has, I think that's going to dictate how this game goes because the better success that Penn State has up front uh, defensively, uh, you know, obviously that, that quiets a lot of the, uh, the, the explosive ability that, uh, that Maryland has. Of course, I know with the way that Maryland's offense is set up, they also try to take away those deep safeties and, and the defensive backs and that kind of thing. Um, that being said, Penn State's got some really good ball players in the second, you know, in the back half of their defense. And so, that being said, I I, I think it's going to hinge on Penn State's defense, uh, depending on how well they play. And if they don't play well, then I think that uh, Maryland certainly has a shot. And I think it's going to be a game where it depends on. Well, the game's going to be won in the fourth quarter. It's definitely going to be a 60-minute game. But whoever sets that early tone, I think that's going to help uh, guide uh, guide the matchup itself. Because, you know, we were on the call for Penn State-Buffalo a couple of weeks ago where Buffalo gave Penn State some fits early on, especially on third downs. You know, Penn State just couldn't move the ball on third down. And then on the other side of the ball, they were. You know, uh, uh, Buffalo was moving the ball on third down. That really uh, seemed to, to, to put that game in, in a little bit of a – uh, they, that game was a lot closer through through a half than it should have been. It should have been a lot more lopsided. Granted, Buffalo's actually a pretty good team, but that game still should have been a little more lopsided. We'll see what Maryland does, though. Um, I just know I'm I'm uh, I'm definitely looking forward to being there for just for the atmosphere. I mean, Ralph Region getting honored. Uh, you know, back when I was covering college football as a beat reporter, he was at Maryland then uh, as the head coach, and so I know what good that he did there. Um, it's just really good to see him back. Uh, in, in the fold at College Park. Yeah, uh, Torrey Smith, I know, said he's going to be there for that. That should be fun. I know they've canceled a lot of classes or, or given the students not the option, the option not to attend. Yeah. So, you know, that, that ratchets up the hype even more there. And it's really a chance for, you know, Loxley to kind of launch his program there. I know they had mm-hmm. a, a hot start, but this is kind of the opportunity for them to be on a big stage, national TV, well, it, only game, you know, really on that night. It so. legitimizes them again, too. You yeah. know, if, if Maryland ends up winning this game, that kind of – says to the critics who got on them for losing the temple like look okay we had a hiccup hiccups can happen especially in a rebuild but we're actually a pretty good team so yeah i don't even if they don't win it if it's a very tight game and especially a lower scoring game i think just to show what their defense can do uh i i think that still will will count as a moral win but of course they're not going for that they want they want the full out w for sure Uh, i want to touch on one or two more big 10 teams before we wrap up uh first off did you see what Wisconsin did to Michigan coming at all, like heading into last oh. week. Was that a shock to you, or, or was it you know, with the way Michigan had played kind of a uh, – uh, not not as big of a surprise as, as some people might have thought? I'm not surprised that Wisconsin won. Um, but, yeah, to, to win in blowout fashion that way uh, is certainly surprising. I mean, it just – just from the little bit that I have seen uh, of what happened in that game, Michigan's offense just uh, – I mean, just – it just had no answer. Just you know, granted, Wisconsin is a very good team. It's a very good team defensively. Obviously, we know what it can do offensively with with Taylor and um, and and we saw that. You know, we saw that uh, that 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 big play uh, potential that they have. That being said, though, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on there in, in Ann Arbor. I know that's been the the big question this week in the conference is is you know where do the Wolverines go from here? Um, 
I, I'm not giving up on them personally just yet, but I do uh, I, I do think that they've got some work ahead of them because, uh, you know, because man, this is, I mean, they got a long way to go. You know, this yeah. is a team that that was that has for so long been. Yeah, granted, they've had they've had their hiccups along the way in the last couple of years, sure, but this has still been a team that's been considered for so long the upper echelon of this conference. And um, you know, when you lose a game in that fashion, uh, you know, it, it's got to send a message to you, and it's got to send a message that for you, you respond in a positive way from. Right, and just projecting out now, do you see the Big Ten title game shaking out any other way than Ohio State on the East and Wisconsin in the West? Because right now, it's like for me. I'm pretty sure those two teams are, are going to end up in Indy. I'd be surprised. I, I think just with Wisconsin's schedule being so tough, maybe Iowa could slide in there in the western side. You've seen Michigan State. You're about to see Penn State up close. Maybe those two teams could, could make some noise. Um, but how do you see it? Do you see it shaking out any other way at this point, just just with how dominant those teams have been? I mean, you know, we can't really forget about Minnesota, too. You True. Know? Minnesota they're shaky 3-0, but they're 3-0. They're, they're 3-0, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just... I, I've had that question uh, recently too. I've had that asked uh, uh, from some other folks too. I I'm not I'm not confident in saying one way or the other, especially on the West right now. Um, I mean, look what happened last year. I mean, my alma mater was not supposed to be in the picture, and then just kept humming and humming and humming. And it was around this time of the year last year when they came out of nowhere. So the fact that that we saw that happen, I don't you know. I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen again this year. Of course, sorry, Northwestern fans. Sorry, my compatriots there. But um, but because of having that precedent, you know, it's hard to say if, if it's just going to be Wisconsin right now or or if uh, or even if Minnesota. You know, I, I think Minnesota definitely you, you got to keep your eye on, on that team just because I think P.J. Fleck has something. Go- A lot of people don't really want to give him credit, but I think he has something going there that is worth paying attention to, whether it's this year or, or down the line. Um, but certainly having a Wisconsin-Ohio State matchup would be uh, probably good for the, the, the conference and the, the, the network and, the, you know, like in the ratings game, just because we know what those what those two powers are going to bring and, and just how good they both appear to be early on. But it's a long year. It's a very, very long year. You got a long way to go. Yeah. Like you said, nobody <laughs> would have thought Northwestern would end up in Indiana. Yeah. I think they're sending the same record, like one and two at this yeah. point last year. So. Yeah. You never know. Um, all right, Cole, I want to wrap up with some light questions, just a couple of uh, couple of ways to pick your brain here. You, you mentioned, you know, I lived in New York, from Atlanta, back in Chicago after being here for college. So never first been. I want you to rank the cities for me, oh, one God. through three, uh, one being the best. Oh, God, I can't do that. <laughs> um, all right, uh, I'll do it. Uh, I, I mean, I always have to go number one is my hometown. I, I love my hometown through and through. Uh, so... Atlanta's probably not really number one for a lot of people, but it is for me just because that's where I'm from. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this. I know living in Chicago now, but I got to put New York as my second just because I, I I loved living in New York. I loved uh, uh, just the convenience of, of everything there. Um, it's, it's a very fun place. Uh, that means that Chicago would be number three, although I guess technically Chicago is number two, of course. It's the second <laughs> right. city. 
but um, I love it here. Uh, the, the only reason why Chicago's lower, not, not any higher, is because the weather is awful. And the, you know, for those for those many months of the year, as you well know. Facts, yeah. <laughs> um, outside of that, the people are great here. The summertime weather, summertime Chicago. If we're just including summertime cities, that is number one around the globe for me. This is the number one city. Uh, love it here in the summertime. Um, so, how about uh, something you've missed most about each having lived away from each? city at a certain point in your life oh man uh i miss the food in atlanta just because i i'm definitely a southern soul food kind of person uh, i haven't really had a whole lot of it lately living in new york i definitely wasn't having much of that um i mean i i miss the convenience of everything in new york uh the uh i mean the train goes everywhere cta you know train's good here it's just not quite like it is there um what have I missed about Chicago? I guess the biggest thing I missed about Chicago is is the lake. Uh, I know that's kind of a cliche and random thing to say, but um, one of my good, like, uh, uh, one of the places that I would always go to kind of clear my mind and, and just to whatever I needed to do when I was in school was to go over to the lake. Mm. Um, in Northwestern was, I mean, we were very fortunate to have uh, not just one, but two beaches and then the, the lake fill area on the, uh, the lakefront. Um, I really miss that just because it's like the ocean and I didn't I actually I never knew I was a big water person until I went to school here so um, so that's what I missed about Chicago and then in Cincinnati because I do still miss Cincinnati that's still a good good part of my heart um, I just miss the people there I got a lot of good friends there so uh, hopefully I get down to Columbus at some point so you're gonna say the skyline chili I don't I do not miss skyline <laughs> not at all I'm, I'm sorry for for my for my uh, Buckeye Staters in here like I just I could not do the skyline. I couldn't do Gold Star, none of the chili in Cincinnati. <laughs> I've only had it like once or twice. I've had it from the can. I don't hate it. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. I, I, I didn't mind it too much. I know it's a very polarizing topic. Yeah. But, uh, if you're from there, you yeah. love it. You swear by it. But if you're not, yeah. <laughs> All right. Last question, Coley. Uh, I have to say, even though people can't see it, listening to this, the drip is real. You've got you know your outfit <laughs> nice and put together. I've noticed that from, from the brief time you've been on air. So how do you... You know, go about putting together um, your overall <laughs> look. Like, is there is there any advice you've gotten, or is this just kind of a self constructed uh, oh man image? And you know, you've even got the pocket square going on right yeah. now. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's nice. So how do you how do you go about that? Oh man, that's uh, that's a good question. I I think it it depends on the person. You know, it's all about it's it's all about what works best for you. You know, you kind of have to find that for yourself. But um, but for me, it's just I I don't know. I just I, I get a couple of got a couple of good suits that I really like suit jackets. Uh, um, you know, the, you you match the the dress shirts, and then for for us on air, at least you want to have something pop. Whether it's the tie, the jacket, uh, maybe not the square too much, but you know I do have a couple of squares that probably jump out a little bit. Not too crazy. I was talking to my mom actually the other day about uh, uh, patterns on suits. You know, you don't want anything too eccentric, too out there. It's just. You know, people are going to talk badly about you. So if you're going to have a pattern, it's got to be nice and subdued. Um, but no, I don't know. It's just something that, uh, just something that I think is is kind of come to me. Just paying attention to TV, right. that kind of thing over the years. All right. Well, you can see Coley in his suits Friday night on FS1. Uh, I'll see you out there in the DMV. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking uh, quite a bit of time with me today. I really appreciate it. Good getting to know you. And uh, again, welcome to BTN. No problem. Thank you so much for being here. I'm glad to be here. For sure. All right, thanks once again to Coley Harvey for joining me. Like I said, really cool name, really cool guy. 
and uh, awesome story of uh, ascension in the sports media industry. And if you're like me, um, definitely enjoy kind of hearing about the path and how the people on your TV end up, you know, talking to you and talking about sports through your TV. It's, it's kind of fascinating to me. So I hope you agree. And I hope you enjoyed the interview with uh, with Mr. Harvey. All right, moving on now, uh, as I alluded to at the top of the show, we're going to kick it over to our BTN researcher, Harold Shelton, who's going to break down Big Ten football in depth, go behind the numbers, give us some uh, stats that kind of explain what we've seen so far, especially um, from this past weekend of football, and uh, project out to what we might see heading into week five already of, of Big Ten football. So toss it over to H right now for our weekly stat head segment. It's Harold Shelton. All right, back in the lab with Harold Shelton for our weekly stat head segment. H, how you feeling? Feeling good. You know, it's hump day, but, uh, you know, Big Ten play is here and got a lot of fun games coming up. Yeah, these interviews always help me get through hump day. You know, it's better sitting here in the studio than at our desk. Yeah, that's for sure. Always good to get away. Yeah, so let's talk about what we saw this past weekend. You know, kind of elephant in the room. It was the game everyone was looking forward to, and... The game that a lot of people might have turned off after like halftime because it was a it was not not a great game to watch if you're a neutral observer. But if you're a Wisconsin fan, you loved it. Uh, Wisconsin beat the brakes off Michigan, uh, 35-14 final. It wasn't even that close. Did anything surprise you from that result? And what does it all mean kind of going forward? Um, I thought Wisconsin would win the game. I did not think that it would be as easy as it was. Uh, especially with the ground game. You know, I thought that might be a game where Cone would have to play pretty well. Um, they didn't really need him to. I mean, he really only made one key throw, and you know, that was to Cephas down the sideline on the fourth down. Uh, but, I mean, they ran for over 350 yards. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, you know, pretty much put that game away in the first 10 minutes or so. Um, I was really surprised to see uh, – seems like Michigan, especially on defense, kind of quit here toward the end. Um, it kind of continues a trend of them struggling, you know, when the when the chips are down, when it really matters in these big games. Seems like the defense uh, on that side, uh, on that team, just does not uh, put up enough resistance. So we can get more to Michigan a little bit, but I'm curious with in your line of uh, expertise, how does Wisconsin? kind of stack up as opposed to other teams in the run-pass splits? Like, can they win the Big Ten kind of running it down your throat? And is that even, I guess, how it shakes out if you look deeper into the stats? Like, do they run as much as it seems like they run? Because Jonathan Taylor's putting up all the big stats. They have a new quarterback. But they do have talented receivers. So are, are they really just lining up and and, and basically steamrolling down the field, or, or is it deeper than that? I think it is deeper than that. I think – they wanted to establish the run against Michigan, and they did it so well that they didn't why go away from it. You mm-hmm. know, I think it was one of those kind of things. I don't think they can afford to do that against the Ohio States, the Michigan States, the Iowas that they're going to have to play uh, later in the year to have, you know, what seems like more uh, resistant defenses. But, you know, I've noticed that Wisconsin obviously is always a run-first team, but they took some chances. They, they throw it more on first and ten. They throw it more on these uh, – rundowns where you would expect a second and four they're actually taking shots down the field you know fourth and one they're taking shots down the field so it's not just as simple as them just lining up running it 70 percent of the time they do have balance because like you said they've got some good receivers they had good tight end and so they're just really balanced when you 
have those weapons with the best running back in the country. You talk balance. So far, does it look like they're the most balanced team in the Big Ten? I mean, Ohio State's defense looks improved from last year. Would you say both teams have a similar balance when it comes to you know success on offense and defense, or or does one unit need to step up at that and those elite teams for um, you know a playoff push or a Big Ten title push or what have you? Uh, I definitely think those two in terms of offense and defense are those two teams have separated from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Penn State's defense has been good but their offense has kind of been hit or miss. You know they hit you with a 40-yard play but they're also terrible on third down so I think they kind of have a, a issue from similar kind of what, what it was three years ago where you know they had Saquon and those guys and they could you know, break off a big run, but then they get stopped a right. lot in the backfield. You know, obviously Michigan State is very defense heavy. You know, still having some issues on offense here and there. Iowa doesn't really have an explosion on offense. So I would definitely say uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State have separated from that aspect. All right, we'll talk maybe that second tier real quick. Um, Northwestern, Michigan State was a game we were looking at going into. Uh, Michigan State snapped that streak of losing to the Wildcats, beat them pretty comfortably. How does that uh, project out now going forward for Sparty? They have, you know, another sort of stingy team coming up. Uh, Indiana is, is uh, coming into town. Being the Sparty guy, are you reassured a little bit seeing what they did in Northwestern after a rough week uh, against Arizona State the week before? Um, it was good to see them finish drives. Uh, you know, in the red zone, they've had a lot of issues. The previous, I want to say it was the previous five games against Power 5 teams, they had 11 red zone trips and only two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, against Northwestern, they had five red zone trips and four touchdowns. So even though they had fewer yards than they did against Arizona State, when they actually got in the red zone, they punched it in and got seven instead of settling for field goal attempts. So that was promising. I, I still think there's some issues there. There hasn't been enough uh, explosion in the run game. Lewerke could still be pretty streaky. Uh, which could be, you know, concerning it for a three-year starter. But I mean, talent is there. I mean, we've seen Daryl Stewart and Cody White, you know, start to break out a little bit. You know, they seem to have found a running back with Elijah Collins. Uh, but you know, Northwestern's had some issues, so it's kind of hard to take too much from it. But considering how bad they were at the end of last year and how the, the Tulsa game looked and Arizona State game looked, thirty-one points is a good sign. Right. Yeah. You'll, you'll take it. Uh, obviously, as a Michigan State grad and fan. Um, back to Michigan briefly, and just looking at, you know, kind of the psyche of that fan base and how that might bleed into the team or vice versa. How do you pick up the pieces here? I mean, it helps, I think, to have a game against Rutgers coming up to, you know, probably get off the schneid this weekend and, and probably get a, a win in the books. But, you know, with everything that you kind of placed on yourself heading into the season expectation wise and have that kind of rug pulled out from under you already how do you you know collect yourself and make something out of this season when again it's it's kind of you're kind of a victim of your own circumstance right we talked about this and how that situation has kind of bubbled up over the years and, and just the pressure is mounted and mounted and then when the air is let out of the balloon like that what now so it's funny you mentioned that and i'm not gonna go too deep into that i might say that for next week but the fans and the media put these expectations on this program, and they've done it every year for 15 years, and it's no Big Ten titles. You know, we treat them like they're Ohio State, but they have, you know, they're a national brand and they get all of that, but they have regional results. They have regional program results. 
And until they look themselves in the mirror and say, look, what is it that we do well? They're not going to be able to figure this out. And so I think they have to go back to the drawing board and see, you know, what it is that they're doing on offense. Because I don't know what their game plan is. You know, last year, you know, they, they had a good running game with Karan Higdon. You know, they had a really good defense with a bunch of pros on that side. They lost a lot of guys. They lost two defensive coaches on that side. You know, they installed this new offense with a guy who hasn't called plays before. And we just assumed that they would be great. And maybe there's some issues there that we, we aren't that we are seeing and then we aren't seeing. Who's their quarterback? Dylan McCaffrey gets hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, he replaced Shea Patterson who got pulled for bad performance right. and they had to put him back in. So I mean I think there's a lot of issues there. I mean, luckily they're playing a team at Rutgers where they should be able to win comfortably, maybe figure some things out. Maybe Joe Milton, you know, gets some burn and, you know, you add a you know, a different element with him being a mobile guy. Um, but you got to get it figured out because you got Iowa coming up, you got Notre Dame coming up, you got Penn State, you got Michigan State, Ohio State, all still on the schedule. And I'm not saying they can't turn it around because we've seen teams have a really bad loss and, you know, rebound and, and figure it out. But they got to do it pretty quick. Yeah, uh, I agree. Kind of just the resetting expectations. It's the only way you can really do it, right? How else do you get hyped for the game if you're having national championship expectations that probably was wiped away you still got to get up and play you know for the goals that are in front of you big 10 title um you know beating ohio state that's that's still there and, and that would be a big step forward so it's gonna be interesting to see if like you said they you know kind of collect themselves or if that letdown is, is uh gonna carry over so yeah i think that uh, iowa game next week will kind of tell us a lot about that mindset even though it's at home and if it done well at home that's another physical team that can potentially punch them in the mouth, and we'll see if that actually happens or not. Yeah, and speaking of Iowa, we got a common opponent between the Hawkeyes and Wolverines with Iowa playing Middle Tennessee this weekend. Um, you know, Michigan didn't look great against Middle Tennessee. Do you think Iowa will have any sort of problems? Um, we haven't seen Iowa in over a week. They're coming off a bye. How do you see that one shaking out? Uh, it just kind of seems like that will be a typical Iowa win where – you know, kind of nondescript, nothing flashy about it. Just mm-hmm. a very meat and potatoes business, like I'll say, thirty-one fourteen, thirty-one seven type of game. Um, you know, Nate Stanley has kind of been a difference for them. You know, normally, you know, last couple of years is we didn't know which Nate Stanley was going to show up uh, through three games. He hasn't turned it over yet. You know, no picks. You know, that was kind of a big thing for him in the past. Is you know he had these games where he complete fewer than 50 percent and he throw it to the other team and that hasn't happened yet um i'd like to see iowa kind of get a ground game going they haven't really had a chance to do that yet um got good backs but haven't really you know had a breakout yet and uh be nice if they can get to the quarterback too that's been the issue as well all right let's get to a couple more teams that are coming off buys minnesota and purdue uh minnesota uh has had three close calls they're three and oh so the record doesn't lie but there might be, uh, you know, concerned under the surface. I, I know some fans in the Twin Cities aren't sure what to make of, of that program quite yet this year. Uh, Purdue needed the off week, I think. Um, they really banged up, including Elijah Sindelar coming off a concussion. We'll see if he is out there this Saturday. Um, I think to me that's kind of the most interesting matchup going into uh, this weekend just because, you know, Purdue is one and two. It's kind of looking like last year where – it could take the path where they get back on track. And in Minnesota, it's like, all right, it's time for you guys to, to show if you're for real about competing in the West or not. So 
What are you looking for in uh, in this matchup? I know Shannon Brooks is coming back for yeah, Minnesota. Be ready to go, I just yeah. can't believe him and Rodney Smith are still there. I yeah. feel like they've been there since I started here like three years ago. The, I was doing promos for them when I had a completely different job here. Yeah. About uh, what they called him some nickname like uh, Smash and Bash or something something like that with those two. Anyway, they're back um, going to to West Lafayette. What are you thinking with this matchup? I uh, don't know how many. I, you know, successful runs we'll see in this game. Both yeah. teams have really, really struggled to run the ball. The Purdue part probably isn't that uh, unexpected. Um, you know, Jeff Brown's a guy that likes to throw it around anyway. They've kind of abandoned it. And they've it, kind of abandoned yeah. it because they know they can't run it that well. Uh, Minnesota is surprising because they have, you know, two really good healthy backs, and now with Brooks back, it's three. Uh, you know, Ibrahim, you know, closed the season really strong, and Rodney Smith's a 3,000-yard rusher for his career, you mm-hmm. would expect – for Minnesota to be able to run the ball a lot better than they have, and they haven't been. So I'd be curious to see, you know, with another week, with guys getting healthier, um, if that turns around or not. Um, but I, I think the entire game depends on Elijah Sindelar. Um, if he doesn't play, you know, I don't think Purdue can win. Um, so much of that offense is predicated on him throwing it around to mm-hmm. all of those skill guys because they can't run the ball. And, you know, Jack Plummer uh, didn't look great in his first start. You know, granted, TCU's a pretty good team, but, you know, we just saw SMU score 40-something right. on them, and Purdue only scored six. So you you just could see the drop-off when Sindelar doesn't play, and if he doesn't play, I think Minnesota's 4-0. Think about a potential Purdue-Army matchup. Like, what if they met in a bowl game? It'd be all <laughs> passing versus all running. I exactly. feel like I feel like Purdue would have the ball for about 15 minutes, and Army would Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, another game, we, we kind of alluded to it earlier, uh, Hoosiers at Sparty. Um, Indiana handled UConn. Um, UConn not a great program, but you know took care of business, still counts. And Michigan State at home, you know they've had their struggles with Indiana in the recent past. Do you see this game, you know, going in Indiana's favor at all? Just because you know they got a, a nice win um, after a beatdown against Ohio State, or do you think Michigan State keeps rolling? Yeah, it's an interesting game just because we don't know. Again, another quarterback situation. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't know. Um, third straight game, he'll be game time decision. I know Peyton Ramsey's had experience. He's played against Michigan State twice. Wouldn't say he's played well in those games, but he's used to seeing that defense at least. Uh, played really well last week. Not so much against Ohio State. Um, you know, Indiana's just had issues like getting that ranked win. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you know, I think they've lost 38 of the last 39 against ranked teams, but the one win was against Michigan State yep. in 2016. 3-9 um, Michigan State team. Right. They were ranked at the yeah, time. They yeah, they were ranked at the time. But, yeah, obviously the wheels fell off after that loss. Um, they've lost 25 straight conference road games uh, against ranked teams, but the win came at Michigan State in 2001. So, you know, if Indiana is to beat one of these top four teams, it seems like they've actually had the most success against Michigan State, even though it hasn't been as much. Um, so I think this is an opportunity for Indiana to, to try to get that get that marquee win to get them to six wins in a bowl. Uh, as for Michigan State, it's a must win. I mean, that October schedule is brutal. You get Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State all in a row. Yeah. You cannot afford to drop a home game to Indiana if you have any, you know, wishes of a Big Ten title or serious aspirations. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I know we'll, we'll get is a uh, Tom Allen pregame speech. That's like becoming a thing. It's like him and Jeff Brom. It's almost like <laughs> I'm sure they both. Indiana. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure yeah. they've both been doing their thing independent of each other. But 
I noticed the Jeff Brom ones first where he's like throwing the chair and then lately the cameras have figured out that Tommy Allen's good for some pregame content with his uh rah-rah speech before oh, yeah. the game so I'm sure we'll see yeah, that he's a funny guy too <laughs> he is uh yeah, he has an interesting interesting character and uh definitely want to have the, the camera on him he might kick a trash can you never know I'll high five some fans yeah, if they win that game yeah exactly um all right I saved kind of the most hyped up matchup for last year it's Ohio State at Nebraska um you know I know on our air or on some of the more official BTM platforms would be wary of of even mentioning the words college game day but we're on the podcast, so I'll take some liberties, and, and, and it's no secret. College game day, is, game day is going to Nebraska. I wonder what would have happened if Illinois would have beat Nebraska and held on the other night. Like, would they, they still have gone to Lincoln, do you think? Probably not. Um, like, how does that work? They just have a couple options? From, and, from and the ESPN know, guy, I'm curious. Yeah, from what I know, there's usually, like, a, a list of, of options, and I think it's in some kind of order, and it kind of depends on, you know, if X team wins, then mm-hmm. we'll go here, but if they lose, then we go down on the list. Um, I don't know if there was – if Ohio State Nebraska was always option one, but, uh, I mean, it works because they haven't – I don't think they've been to Lincoln since 07. So I'm sure that crowd will be fired up. Night game uh, should be a lot of fun. Atmosphere should be great. Um, it's, you know, Scott Frost looking for a marquee win. You know, if you're able to beat Ohio State, mm-hmm. even if you keep it, you know, relatively close, if it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter, I think you can call that progress. Yeah, watch BTN tailgate, everyone out there. You know, not, not college game day, but yeah, we know the, the Huskers fans will be excited about game day. Going there for sure. See, they can um, flip back and forth. Yeah, Everybody exactly. else can watch tailgate. Exactly. Um, just looking at this game, it's interesting because, like I just said, Nebraska almost lost to, to Illinois. They they had turnover issues. They kind of had turnover issues all year. And I don't know how good you feel about that win. If you're a Nebraska fan, you'll take it for sure. But, um, you know, for all those downsides of that game, you also had a big upside with uh, Wondell Robinson breaking out. It's crazy that we had a Rondale tearing it up at Purdue. Now we have a Wandale at Nebraska, and this was his coming out party. I think he had three touchdowns. Um, showed that he can catch the ball in space and take handoffs and, and create. Uh, I think Maurice Washington going down helped open up some opportunities for him. So, one, do you think he'll be similarly effective now there's tape on him? Um, is Washington coming back? Because I haven't followed up with that in the last couple of days. And do you think Ohio State's going to have any trouble – stopping what's kind of been an inconsistent offense so far from Nebraska. Yeah, so I'll be curious to see, especially that matchup for sure, um, this will easily be the best offense Ohio State has played mm-hmm. so far. Um, you know, I, I guess it would have been Indiana before that. And, I mean, Indiana's offense, you know, it's, it's, it's solid. I wouldn't call it explosive. Nebraska's is definitely explosive. I mean, the fact that they could turn it over four times and still have nearly 700 yards uh, saying a lot. Uh, you know, they got the total offense leader in the conference in Adrian Martinez. Like you said, Wondell Robinson uh, just is another added dimension to go with Spielman and Washington if he's healthy. Uh, you know, he's kind of been banged up, you know, for a couple games now, and he's just kind of trying to play through it. I'd be shocked if he didn't play on Saturday, but, you know, with what capacity, who knows. You know, Dedrick Mills, you know, had, had a banged up shoulder in that game uh, last week too, so – you know, they're, they're kind of beat up there, so I wouldn't be shocked to see more Wandale, but I don't know if it'll just be from the backfield. They might, you know, try to put, you know, use them like they, like Purdue uses Rondell Moore, where, you know, he's lined up in the slide, he's lined up in the backfield, they throw screens to him, go routes to him. 
Um, you know, it's a creative offense, but we'll see if they can, you know, stop Ohio State from getting to Martinez because they've had issues, you know, giving up a lot of negative plays, and they've already lost nine fumbles, the most in the nation. So they can't afford to do that against Ohio State. First road test for Ohio State? Is this their first road test? Uh, they won at Indiana. That's but, right. That was at Indiana. Um, yeah. But that's probably a 50-50 crowd split. Exactly, yeah. Uh, uh, this will be a real They'll not have test. has uh, easy time getting tickets exactly. at Nebraska. Um what amazes me about Ohio State is just, you know, it's, this is kind of rear, it's nothing new, but just the depth of their receiver pool. You know, you got your main guys, you got Olave and Victor, who we've known and seen the last couple of years. And Olave is still yeah. pretty young, but then, yeah. you know, KJ Hill. Hill, obviously. And then, um, you know, Garrett Wilson's another guy yep. who's just like, you can see the talent bubbling up and just trying to get through that depth chart, but they just have so many weapons. Exactly. And then, you know, you throw in a, a Dobbins and a Master Teague, and, um, you know, it's just. It's an embarrassment of riches, really. It really is. Um, and they've been really, really balanced. I think they're one of three teams nationally to have uh, 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 passing yards on the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're not – you know, they're kind of kind of pass heavy with Haskins last year. They had issues running the ball until late in the year. Uh, that has not been an issue thus far. You know, the fact that Fields can come in and actually have more touchdowns than Haskins did through four games a year ago. I mean, we were talking crazy. last year. We're like, oh, Haskins is doing something – extraordinary passing another great JT Barrett it's just like keeps getting wilder as far as like the the statute goes right I mean we've seen you know Tua and Burrow and you know these guys having great numbers and he's got more touchdowns than both of those guys Mm -hmm. and you know he's kind of hidden in the Heisman talk a little bit you're hearing a lot about Tua and Hurts and Burrow but Fields is right up there if you look at the numbers so the fact that he's been able to do that you know literally you know first four games of his Ohio State career uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so we're going to have to start expanding this discussion to a little more of a national scope coming pretty soon. You know, we're not even halfway through yet, but soon we'll have to start talking a little Heisman, a little college football playoff. It's coming up. You know, oh, yeah. Another three or four weeks or so. So uh, get ready for that, and uh, we'll cap it off right there. H, another fun weekend. Actually, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Penn State of Maryland tomorrow. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Or actually, that's Friday, coming yeah. out Friday, but if, if you're listening to this when it comes out tomorrow, um, almost almost gloss right over it because Coley and I got into it quite a bit. But before we wrap up, let's talk a little bit Penn State-Maryland. Do you think uh, Maryland has a chance to that, – That's to, a tricky, tricky game it for is. Penn State. That's a tricky game. Um, it, that's, the that's speed a, is pretty even there. The speed is even. Um, I think if – the, the biggest issue for Maryland is can they protect Josh Jackson? Uh, Temple got after him a lot. They put them in a lot of third and longs. Mm-hmm. You know, they were five of they were five for 21 on third down against Temple. If they're in third and long a lot against Penn State, that's going to be a problem. But if they stay ahead of the chains with that run game, that explosiveness that they have, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Maryland won that game. I mean, this seems like the biggest game for Maryland football long on time. campus in a long, long time. I mean, they – I was looking at kind of their attendance numbers, and they sold out some games late two thousands, and you know they were having success back then. Uh, it just seems like with the amount of promotion and marketing and buzz going into it, this is even with them dropping the game to Temple. Like imagine if they were right. going to this as the number 18, 19 team in the country. Right. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case, but it's still you know the opportunity remains just as large. I think for them. Yeah, agree. And then you got two coaches who are very familiar with each other. Both served. Uh, as assistant coaches at Maryland mm-hmm. early 2000s so they're very familiar with each other you know both recruiting in the same circles and so I, you know there's a lot of little juicy subplots here uh, should be a lot of fun a lot of speed on the field I wonder if they'll shake hands 
before the game on like 2014, you know. When, right. Uh, uh, did when Maryland said nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I think the coaches have enough respect for each other that, that they'll uh, they'll get out there in midfield and at least dab each other up. Yeah. Might might be like a, a quick little hardball handshake and then move on, but they'll at least show respect. All right, H. Uh, really good stuff. Wrap it up. Put a bone this week and hop back in here next week. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. All right. All right, thanks once again to Harold Coley for joining me. Really fun talking to both of them. Always fun to catch up with Harold every week and uh, good getting to know another rising star in sports media in Coley. Just a reminder, if you haven't already, before we, uh, before we sign off here, please subscribe to the Take 10 Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, or our YouTube channel. The Big Ten Network YouTube channel has a playlist for the Take 10 Podcast where you can find every episode. And if you like the show and haven't left a review or a rating yet, please do so as well. If you don't like the show, hold on to that review and uh, save your hate. Take that energy uh, somewhere else. All right. Thanks, as always, to my producers, Wes White, Julie Bronder, for stitching the show together. Really appreciate that. Thanks, as always, to everyone for listening. Um, like we said, at the uh, Cole interview, tune into FS1 on Friday night for should be a good game, Penn State at Maryland. And uh, check out some enhanced digital coverage as well as I'll be out there working with uh, Coley a little bit, doing some social media efforts for BTN. And uh, definitely tune in to the rest of Big Ten football this weekend. And we'll catch you next week as we uh, roll along here on the Take 10 Podcast. <laughs>